Well, you all showed up. Good to have you here. All right. Today we come to the last sermon on this series on the Holy Spirit. And as I've mentioned the last five weeks, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are one God, same in substance, equal in power and glory. The role of the Father is primarily that of creator and sustainer. The role of the Son is primarily redeemer and Lord. And the role of the Holy Spirit is primarily comforter and guide. So we see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one God in three persons functioning together in divine oneness. The Bible teaches us that when an individual believes on Jesus Christ, when a person becomes a Christian, they are immediately to receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Spirit dwells within us. The Bible has passages like this. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a pledge of our inheritance, with the view of the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Jesus taught us that the Holy Spirit would live within us as his followers. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. And you will know him because he abides with you and be, will be in you. So the Holy Spirit will never leave us. He dwells within us. The Holy Spirit will be with us forever. Actually, on another occasion, Jesus says, it's, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come, but if I go, I will send him to you. So we see that Jesus is telling us it's better for us to walk in the Spirit today than it would have been to walk with Jesus during his earthly ministry. Maybe that's the reason why Jesus says, I tell you the truth. <laughs> because this is really something that's hard to comprehend. I've often thought it would have been like to be one of the multitudes sitting and listening to the Sermon on the Mount. I've thought about what it would have been like to be in one of those Jesus' Bible studies in Martha and Mary's house. I've thought about what it would have been like to be there when Jesus raised But Jesus says it's to our advantage that he go away, that he would send the comforter. It's better for us to walk in the spirit today, Jesus says, than to have walked with him during his earthly ministry. Now, the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father to the believer. The Holy Spirit enables us, empowers us, and equips us for spiritual service. These are just a few things the Bible tells us the Spirit does. He leads us, guides us, teaches us, comforts us, helps us, intercedes for us, renews us, strengthens us, gives us spiritual gifts, and bears within us spiritual fruit. No wonder the Apostle Paul bowed his knees before the Father and prayed that we would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in our inner man. You see, God desires that we would live in the fullness of the Spirit. Living in the fullness of the Spirit. 
The apostle calls us to be filled with the Spirit. And as believers in Christ, we have access to all of the Spirit's blessings. We have access to his teachings, his comfort, his strength. But the fact is, is that we often limit the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That even though it is God's desire that we would live in the fullness of the Spirit, we often hinder the work of the Spirit in us. The Bible identifies four distinct ways that we diminish the work of the Spirit. We lie to the Spirit, we resist the Spirit, we quench the Spirit, and we grieve the Spirit. So this morning, I'd like for us to really look at each of these ways, ways that we diminish the fullness of the Spirit with a hope that we would shun all of these behaviors and live in the fullness of the Spirit. Now, even though the Spirit wants us to experience His fullness, He is a divine gentleman, and He will never force Himself on you. If you're going to behave like this, you will not experience His fullness. Well, let's look at, first of all, lying to the Spirit. Now, as we saw last week, the early church had experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that one of the outcomes of that was that there was not a needy person among them, that all who were owners of lands or houses would sell them, and they would bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any who would have need. So, we see, though, immediately after that, the Bible tells us about a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira who sold a piece of property but kept back some of the price for themselves. His wife had full knowledge of this. They only brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. Now, first of all, I want to say this has nothing to do with the money. Churches are often accused of being money hungry. And I guess in some situations that's true. But that's not the case here. I want you to see that Peter told Ananias that while the property remained unsold, it was theirs to do whatever they wanted to with it. And even after they sold the property, Peter told him that the proceeds of the sale were still under his control. See, it's clearly not about the money. It's about lying to the Holy Spirit. Peter said it twice. Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. You have not lied to men, but to God. Now, see, Ananias and Sapphira must have promised to give 100% of the proceeds of the sale of this property to the ministry of the church. 
But sometime after the property was sold, they decided to keep back a portion of it. Now, they could have pledged to give 80%. They could have pledged to give 50%. No problem. But the problem was is that they made a pledge, a promise to the Holy Spirit that they would give 100% of the property, of the proceeds of the sale to the ministry of the church. Now, we have to come to terms with the fact that the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. And this word, this Greek word, literally means not covered. Not covered. So what we see here is Ananias and Sapphira are trying to cover up. They're trying to hide. They're trying to conceal a portion of the money while telling the church that they had given 100% of the money. Now, maybe they wanted to look good. Maybe they wanted to be respected as big donors. Regardless of their motive, they were pretending to be something they weren't. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And because of that, he confronts our deceptions by uncovering the truth about us. He brings our true identity out of hiding. He uncovers our deception. He uncovers the things that are blinding our eyes and blinding our hearts. You see, we'll go around saying that we're rich or become wealthy, we have need of nothing, but the Spirit is speaking to us saying that we are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. The Holy Spirit preaches truth. Now, we practice sometimes our righteousness in order to be seen by others. Sometimes we give alms because we want to be honored. Sometimes we pray long prayers because we want to look spiritual. But the fact is, it's all an act. And if it is, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. You can deceive men all day long. But the Holy Spirit's going to uncover who you are. And if we want to live in the fullness of the Spirit, we have to be honest about ourselves to God. The Holy Spirit breaks through our deceptions. He breaks through our hypocrisies. We will never experience the fullness of the Spirit while pretending to be something that we're not. We'll only experience the fullness of the Spirit when we confess the truth about ourselves and ask God, the God of grace, to transform our hearts. Amen? The second way we diminish the fullness of the Spirit is by resisting the Spirit. Now, I want to be clear here. When I talk about resisting the Spirit, I'm not talking about the doctrine of irresistible grace. The doctrine that teaches that all those whom Christ purchased redemption on the cross will be enabled by the Holy Spirit to believe and embrace Jesus Christ as offered in the gospel. We believe that all those whom the Father draws to Christ through the Spirit will be saved. Amen? As many as the Lord God will call to himself. But when I'm using this phrase, resisting the Spirit, I'm speaking about closing our ears to the Word of God. Let me explain myself. 
We see in the book of Acts that Stephen, who will become the first martyr, gives a whole dissertation, basically a redemptive history lesson, through a whole chapter of Scripture, teaching how Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. And he comes to the conclusion of this this redemptive history lesson, and he says, you men, he's saying this to his audience, you men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as your fathers did. Now, what's really unique is that when his accusers heard him say this statement, the Bible says that they covered their ears. They actually did physically what they were doing spiritually. They were covering their ears from hearing the truth of God's word. Brothers and sisters, when we cover our ears from hearing God's word, we're basically resisting the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of scripture. The Bible tells us that all scripture is inspired by God. The writing of Scripture is not an act of human will, but men were moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. And remember that Jesus told us that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything that I have said to you. So we see the Holy Spirit is not just the divine author of Scripture. We see the Holy Spirit is the prominent preacher of Scripture. Listen, I love it that you listen to me. But who you should be listening to is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The Holy Spirit preaches the word of God to us. Therefore, to experience the fullness of the Spirit, we must have our ears wide open to the word of God. Isn't it it interesting that Jesus concluded seven of his teachings using this phrase. If If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Basically Jesus is saying, don't resist the Spirit speaking to you right now. Isn't it interesting that the the Spirit concluded each of his messages to the seven churches in the book of Revelation with this phrase. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Isn't it interesting that the Apostle Paul and his charge to Timothy to preach the word warned his pastoral protege that time will come when people will turn away their ears from the truth. When we cover our ears to the word of God, we are resisting the Spirit. We resist the Spirit by rejecting what He's revealed in His Word, by ignoring what He has said in His Word, and by being resistant to His instructions that He gives us in His Word. Let me me just give you a, a couple examples here. The Bible clearly teaches, and I think even non Christians know this. The Bible clearly teaches, thou shalt not commit adultery. I mean, you can't just, you can't mess that up at all. But what do people do? They cover their ears 
to the Holy Spirit speaking to them and do exactly what his word tells them not to do. Jesus clearly taught that we should leave an offering at the altar when we discover that someone has something against us. We are to leave our, altar at the, our offering at the altar and we're to go to that person and after we go to that person seeking to be reconciled, then we go back and present our offering at the altar. But we choose to close our ears to the word of God and refuse to meet. That's resisting the Spirit. Everything revealed by the Holy Spirit is truth, and we must approach the Word of God with a heart that submits to the Word's authority, with the desire to know the mind of the Spirit, and having our ears wide open to what the Spirit is saying to us pertaining what the Word of God is saying. Amen? The third way we diminish the fullness of the Spirit, is by quenching the Spirit. The Apostle Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica, do not quench the Spirit. You can't get any clearer than that. And this word quench, well, of course, it means to extinguish or to suppress. This admonition to not quench the Spirit is telling us to never extinguish or suppress the divine influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Never push him away. Now what's interesting is that the Bible associates the work of the Spirit with fire. You see, the Spirit of God desires to be a rage like, a, uh, like fire in our hearts to produce in us a spiritual passion for Christ. And we should never try to extinguish it. We should never try to suppress it. We should do everything to try for it to burn brighter. Amen? Now, the Spirit spoke to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation and cites all their deeds, all their toil, and their extreme perseverance. But then after citing those things, the Spirit says, But this I have against you. You have left your first love. You see, they were doing all the church stuff. Their deeds, their toil, persevering to the end. They were doing all the church stuff. But they didn't have any passion for Jesus. They were quenching the Spirit. They had left their first love. Like a marriage without passion is nothing more than a glorified living arrangement. So is a follower of Christ without passion for Christ is nothing more than a glorified religious arrangement. We are called to have burning passion for the Lord. So is your relationship with Christ, does it have this burning passion? Or have you been quenching, extinguishing, suppressing the fire of the Holy Spirit in your heart? Does your heart burn with passion for Christ? Or has your passion for Christ fizzled into just embers? The Holy Spirit 
the Bible tells us, is like a refiner's fire, burn away all the dross from precious metals. The Bible tells us that he sits as a smelter and a, a purifier of silver, and he purifies the sons of Levi and refines them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. And that's exactly what he wants to do in you and me. The Holy Spirit desires to be a burning refiner's fire in you so that you would present the Lord's offering in righteousness. Do not quench the refiner's flame. The Bible tells us, as the Spirit is speaking, I will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them and say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is my God. God wants to work in you to have that so much, that much confidence. The Lord is my God. So that you hear by the Spirit the, him saying back to you, and you are my son, you are my daughter. Lord, send your refiner's fire. Burn off the dross that is built up on our hearts. Lord, burn like a refiner's flame in my heart. Lord, work in me so I never, ever want to quench Extinguish or suppress your spirit. Pour out your spirit upon us. This should be our prayer. Let me just say also another way I think we quench the spirit. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I believe that we quench the spirit by neglecting spiritual gifts. I wrote to Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift that was within you. And he writes again in his second letter to Timothy... Kindle or spark or ignite afresh the gift of God which is in you. And that's what God wants to do in each one of us. We restrain the spirit. We quench the spirit by not asking for spiritual gifts. Many Christians are afraid to ask for spiritual gifts because they don't want people to think that they're one of those crazy Christian fanatic ones. Now, let me clearly state, as I have before, I believe the Bible teaches that the gifts of revelation have ceased. But there is a whole list of non-revelation gifts that have not ceased. I believe we restrain, we quench the Spirit for, by not asking Him for spiritual gifts. It goes like this, we lack wisdom... But we won't ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. We lack discernment, but we won't ask the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of discernment. We lack a servant's heart, but we won't ask the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of service. We lack liberality, but we won't ask the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of giving. We lack boldness to share the gospel, but we won't ask the Holy Spirit for boldness. We often suppress our access to spiritual gifts... By simply not asking for them. You have not because you ask not. And by doing so, we quench the spirit. The last way. Are you all here with me today? I know a lot of people love when the preacher says the last, the last thing. 
The last way we diminish the fullness of the Spirit is by grieving the Spirit. Again, the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Can't get any clearer than that. This sorrowful to affect someone with sadness, to cause grief upon someone. When my kids were young and they did something really bad, something that I told them over and over and over again not to do, but they did it anyway. They would say, Daddy, are you mad? And I would say, I'm sad. I'm so sad. Because I told you over and over and over again not to do that. But you went ahead and did it anyway. You made me sad. You grieved me. And this is what we do with the Holy Spirit. He tells us over and over and over again not to do certain things, but we go right ahead and do it. We grieve him. Of all the ways that the Holy Spirit is described, I think this one personalizes him all the more. He grieves. And so we can really understand that when we are involved in willful disobedience, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you, you don't grieve the Holy Spirit by stumbling. We all stumble. You don't, you don't grieve the Holy Spirit by stumbling. In the same way, if your kid's making a mistake or are doing something a little bit awkward or a little bit wrong, yeah, that doesn't grieve you. I mean, they're a kid, right? So the Holy Spirit is not grieved by our stumbles. The Holy Spirit is grieved by our willful disobedience. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. This morning I wanted to look at these ways that we diminish the, the fullness of the Spirit in our lives. We lie to the Spirit, deceiving Him, trying to deceive Him. We resist the Spirit. We quench the Spirit, and we grieve the Spirit. And my hope this morning is that by the power of the Spirit, that we would shun all of these behaviors and live in the fullness of the Spirit. Is that your prayer today? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. You know, as I have studied through this series, I've become more and more interested in the Apostle John's comment in the book of Revelation chapter 1. When he tells us, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, an easy conclusion of what he's making reference to is that the, the, he's making reference to the, that the Holy Spirit had given him the gift of revelation so that he could write down what he sees and puts it in a book. I, I get that. But what if John wasn't referring to the apostolic gift of revelation when he says, 
I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What if John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day? Maybe that's our problem, is that we don't anticipate being in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Maybe we're more like those Christians in the church of Ephesus than what we think, just doing the church stuff, just going to church, doing our deeds, doing our toil with perseverance, but not desiring to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Let me just read the context here. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now, as you probably know, John had been arrested for preaching the gospel and they put him on, this, on this, this island all by himself. It was just John in the middle of an ocean on this abandoned island. Now, what if John was not yet under revelational ecstasy and on that lonely and barren island, far away from privileges of corporate worship with God's people, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Well, what if John had shunned all spiritual hindrances that we've talked about today and had devoted himself completely to the spirit of God on that Lord's day? And what if the spirit of God recognized John's complete surrender and flooded him with his divine presence and power to the point where John just has to write it down, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What if being in the Spirit isn't as uncommon or as unusual as we think it is? What if being in the Spirit, living in the fullness of the Spirit, is exactly what the Lord desires for all of us, even today. Brothers and sisters, I got news for you. Today is the Lord's day. Today is the Lord's day. And you have the opportunity to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Shun all of these selfish behaviors and make it so real that you can say to yourself and to one another, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Going from this place saying, I am full of the Spirit of God on the Lord's day. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, we come to you today thanking you so much that you are the creator and sustainer of all things. Lord, we thank you for your divine love that's been demonstrated through the work of your son, our Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus, thank you for your faithful and unmatched obedience. 
Thank you for sending your spirit and calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. But as your people, Lord, we come to you today and we admit that there are certain ways that we hinder the fullness of the spirit in our lives. Lord, we come to you and confess that we resist, that, that we quench, that we, that we lie, we deceive. And Lord, we want to have done with all these things. Lord, work in our hearts today. Work in so we can say, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.